I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's right. That music you're hearing can only mean one thing. It is Oscar season here on the Cult Popsha podcast. That means we are going to be breaking down everything there is to know about the 96th yes. Academy Awards. Uh, yes. Yeah, baby, by, yeah. Hosted by everyone's favourite <laughs> late night talk show host, Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. So, wait, your your Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, the Oscars will be hosted Oscars, by. Yeah, I'm Richard Martin. I think people know that. <laughs> no, well, I mean, uh, in my mind, I was thinking he'll be th- he'll be talking about the more popular of the ceremonies, which is the Cult Popsha Oscars cheat sheet, uh, which I don't think we've booked Kimmel on. Well, here he is. It's Matt Damon. I hate Matt Damon. So Jimmy Kimmel, uh, very nice. Uh, the over the next. Two episodes of the Cult Popsha podcast uh, this week and then in two weeks' time, I think. We are going to be looking at the 10 films nominated for Best Picture. And when I say we, I am, of course, referring to myself, your always host of the Cult Popsha podcast, Richard Martin, my most of the time co-host, mm. AJ. It's an honour just to be nominated. And my f- seldom co-host, uh, Aaron Richardson, <laughs> Our sometimes actor, sometimes friend, sometimes co-host. Thank you so much. It's never an honour to be nominated, only an honour to win. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! So glad to have won the, uh, the spot on this podcast. Mm. <laughs> to have won the we nomination, the, the, as it were. The grind, the grind set there, Aaron. Mm. That's what we encourage this gig here economy. on the podcast. Truly, truly, always be hustling, and that's that's me. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why I come on the yeah. podcast. You got to have, you got to spin many plates. <laughs> we do, so we do. We are going to be, um, yeah, looking at a bunch of uh, the films nominated for best picture today we're going to be looking at five different ones we'll get to those in a second and in between talking about those films when we want to take a little break we might look at some of the other categories and just sort of see you know if there's any controversy in that category because there is a bit of controversy controversy this year uh and uh we'll share our thoughts which is I something that you so. can't hear at any other podcast. You can, you can't hear <laughs> our thoughts on any other podcast. You can hear That's true. billions of people's thoughts or just log on to Twitter and you can hear a lot of people's thoughts about <laughs> uh, various wrongdoings of the Academy. You're making us a little joke here, but genuinely what what you need to do as a content creator is to create a brand so that it's not it doesn't matter that you're talking about it the same yeah, thing yeah. as everyone else. Well, they're like, I want to know it's what Aaron has people, to say. I want to know what Aaron has to say. <laughs> Aaron. Will somebody please, please get Aaron Richardson so he can tell me what he thinks about 9-11. <laughs> 9-11? I didn't realise it was even nominated. What did you think of it? 
Um, very anti. Very, very, very <laughs> anti nine eleven. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, we're a- we take an anti nine eleven position on this podcast, which is not to say we don't inexplicably talk about it quite a lot. <laughs> um, but. Uh, that doesn't mean we thought it was a good thing. God, who told you that? Uh, well, one thing before we get to the films, there's an interesting piece of uh, news that's happened in the last week with the Oscars is that they have said they're going to be adding a new category to the Oscars for best casting, which is mm. an interesting thing. A lot of people are like, they should retroactively give it to Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man. And it's like, well... That's not really how the award would work, I'm sure. I'm sure it would go to the casting director and it would be more about like, uh, you know, ensemble pieces. And it's it's a way to... Uh, look, casting director is... I've said a couple of times on the, on the Oscar season podcast that I think it deserves uh, an, an award at the Oscars because you watch the opening credits of a film and it's the only like above the line role that doesn't have a, a corresponding Oscar. The other big one is like stunt work, but it depends on the film. And I think probably choreo- like stunt choreography or even just choreography as an award would be mm-hmm. a good one because then you get uh, dance as well as, as um, stunts and it's not just people trying to kill themselves for the, for the award. But yeah, casting directors, uh, yeah, for a long time gone under the radar. And I think it's one of those things that you would award i mean someone like sarah Haley finn who is the casting director for marvel who has plucked so many people out of obscurity and and given the these huge roles and i mean like robert downey jr christopher nolan just this week called it like one of the most consequential casting decisions in the history of hollywood and and he's right like it's you know kicked off this whole movement and it was also uh putting a chance on this you know former drug addict but like someone that that like when you're adapting something on paper into and then it's like oh my god robert jr jk simmons is the other one or like hugh jackman that you go wow they've adapted that so so perfectly but it's the people that find unknown actors that you know that's what a casting director is really for like um when a, a film is like child actors as well and um the other thing is that it's it's kind of a way to award an ensemble award where it's like no one actor really sticks out but just everyone fits together so well and put in such mm. a good performance like that's great casting to me do you think the marvel yeah. lady was um like when all that stuff happened with um the guy who was cast as kang she was like yeah. damn it this is gonna lose me the oscar <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's Maybe. she's gonna get blacklisted from that award now after busting her ass <laughs> this is the worst piece of casting i've ever seen how did you not foresee that this guy was because i guess that's the thing right if you're gonna reward her for being like we brought back robert downey jr even though he was mm. like real into drugs then also you have to like you know celebrate the negatives where it's like oh it turns out i actually picked this guy who maybe potentially beat up his girlfriend yeah potentially you have just like backwards walked into aaron what i think will be the big controversy surrounding this oscar and in one year from now a the it's coming in the next one or the one after but right sorry. right well whenever it whenever it happens there is going to be a casting director nominated for best casting and there is going to be a film that has a you know that's an oscar picture that has someone who's going to get cancelled in it during the awards season right and then 
they're going to have to retroactively be like, well, should this person be nominated for yeah. best casting? And mm-hmm. also, That's like, totally going to happen. It sort of heightens the stakes a little bit for the casting people as well because <laughs> they're sort of like a little bit. They anonymous. can finally start doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> Do some background research for God's sake. But you know, like it's sort of an anonymous art in some ways, but now it sort of puts them at the forefront. So you know, like absolutely, well, I think this is going to shine a light on the art of casting mm. in a way that's never been seen before. I think you're going to get a similar to the boom in like intimacy coordination. That's like it's going to be comparable to that. I think in terms of like well, one, people one's being a like, job actually just being created. Intimacy coordinators didn't exist before 2017. Mm. Well, that that's a great point. But both are jobs that are like no one wants to be them because no one's heard of them until. Mm now if now, you can't maybe. see it then you can't be it which i guess is an yeah. important theme in a couple of uh, the movies nominated for best picture this year the films we're talking about today <laughs> you'd think you've been on every podcast with <laughs> technique like that who would have thought i would me. come in this hot being <laughs> this <laughs> having this much covid in my body <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know that. Oh my, are we going to get digitally infected with COVID? Look, I just, I wouldn't pick up the mic for a couple of days, Richard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, the films we're going to be talking about today are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. And then we will talk mm. about the rest. A few aren't even, a few of the ones we haven't talked about yet aren't even available to us in New Zealand yet. But mm. Aaron, we have a fun thing that we do sometimes on a similar sort of structured podcast to this one where we go through the Christmas films released on Netflix, where the order in which we talk about them, the way we decide that is I count down from three to one, and then we all say the name of our least favorite film of those five. And then. If they're not the same, majority wins or we decide and then eventually we talk about them in order from least favourite to favourite. Sounds good to me. Uh, All right, so out of those five, uh, I'm going to count three to one and then on the count of three, everyone say your least favourite of that bunch. Are we we all (laughs) clear on the rules? I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. Let's go. Three, two, one. Maestro. Poor things. Maestro. Oh. <laughs> well, I- well, fuck you, Aaron. Majority rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty close to saying Maestro 2, to be fair. So. Yeah, I was going to say, out of curiosity, uh, how high up was Maestro on the ranking for you? They really were much of a muchness, and I was like, uh, I feel like I disliked poor things a little bit more. All right, well, we'll get to that shortly, perhaps. But uh, uh, yeah, Maestro. So this is Bradley Cooper's second film. It's the Interestingly, it's the first ever collaboration between Spielberg and Scorsese because they are both producers on it. A um, lot, of, cool. lot of talent involved in this movie. Mm. Um, you've got yeah, Bradley Cooper, Carrie Mulligan uh, plays his love interest in the film. It's a... Um, a biopic of Leonard Bernstein, the composer. He composed um, the music for West Side Story, among plenty of other things. And yeah, it was released on, it's a Netflix film. And yeah, Bradley Cooper plays the title role as well as he wrote it or co-wrote it and directed it. And uh, a lot of flack when the first trailer came out because he has a, a giant fake nose, which like softens throughout the film. But in those young, because he he's playing him like throughout his entire life, sort of thing. But those young scenes, mm. it's like, damn, is that thing prominent? Uh, and obviously, <laughs> Leonard Bernstein is um, a Jewish conductor, and it's um, 
considered anti-Semitic to put a fake well, it's, on. Well, it's also him. like I thought it was interesting that he he's he open like him Leonard being Jewish is like a fairly prominent mm. component of the film. So it's not even like Bradley Cooper could be like, "Oh my god, I didn't even think of that." Oh, <laughs> sorry guys. Mm. It's like, "No, no, I I Bradley Cooper uh chose to as as a non-Jewish man chose to portray a Jewish man by using a prosthetic nose, which I don't think really needed to be yeah let it burn scene's nose is it that big (laughs) is it that big like it's not big enough for me to be like oh well whoever plays him in a in a biopic needs yeah what are they gonna do about the nose (laughs) yeah no 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 um can i go first Uh, my thoughts on maestro you may as the, as the maestro of the group i'm kidding i'm not um i'm the um what am I? I'm the poor thing <laughs> of the group. Um, I I have not, you know, I have not seen all the Oscar films yet, as we said at the start. But this is the first front runner I've seen this year that is that I've been like, I do not like this movie. Mm. It's the other ones. I'm like, maybe they're not my favorite, but we're, you know, I can understand why they're nominated. This is like what someone would cite as an example of Oscar bait seven years ago Mm. right like seven years ago we were making fun of this kind of film for being as oscar baity as it is right and my journey with this movie was like again heard the controversy then heard like oh bradley cooper really wants a a nomination Mm. this year he really wants to to get an oscar and then the nominations came out and i believe it's is it he's not nominated for best director uh yeah i'll go through the director the the nominations here so seven nominations uh picture actor for bradley cooper actress for carrie mulligan uh screenplay original screenplay cinematography makeup and hairstyling and best sound couple of fun facts uh steven spielberg uh, has extended his lead of uh, the most Best Picture nominations. And Bradley Cooper is the 15th person to direct himself to a Best Actor nomination. Uh, and he's also the fifth person to have done so more than once. And um, he's also... That's fun. It is fun. Him and Wes Anderson, both with these this list of nominations this year, have joined the Five Timers Club to uh, people that have been nominated in five different categories because Damn, he's got all the same ones that he got he got um for star is born it was like actor he still hasn't got a director nomination but picture for his um producing um screenplay was adapted for star is born and it's original for this and uh, he was song for um for star is born this is an original script despite it being based on a true <laughs> yeah, story it's that weird thing it's one of those weird quirks of the the academy rules where it's like it's it's based on Bernstein's life, but he's not adapting a work on yeah, right. like if if it, if there was a uh, a biography about him and he was attending and he'd bought the rights yeah, to that yeah, biography, yeah. that would be adapted. But yeah, it's it's a weird thing. So so first of all, curious that you can direct your way to a best actor nomination, but that does not correspond to a best mm. director. Not not saying it should, just isn't that interesting. Um I like this this movie is has got all the bells and whistles of someone desperate to get nominated mm. for best director I think and and like I really liked A Star Is Born I actually thought that showed quite a lot of Love promise Star as a director yeah. from from Bradley Cooper but this feels like 
this is what I would expect from the kind of the cultural joke that had developed around this movie. And I went into this thinking, fuck, I bet I'm going to love this. Mm. Like, this is the controversial mm. Best Picture nominee. I bet I'm going to just find, be, like, struck down by it. Mm. Five minutes in, I was like, whoa. Just, it's so, it's so, like, like the... I, I don't even know if I can put to words the oscar bait checklist that it that it ticks off the but but like first of all let's talk about the makeup that it's nominated for Mm -hmm. because i think that was a big thing going in is like he plays him across you know from his probably his mid-20s to his elderly like 70s or 80s right like and it's the same actor the makeup's doing a lot of heavy lifting i'm gonna say it it's not it's not it's not invisible makeup (laughs) you can see it's a man an old man. It's I, very good it old man good, makeup. Yeah. It's very good old man makeup, but it is not seamless. It is still, I think it's one of these things that we're going to see in 20 years and be like, ha ha, funny that we thought that was hmm. possible in 2024, 2023. Um, it's, you know, just the, the struggling pulled himself up by his bootstrap story that divulges into drugs and alcohol and the price of fame and 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 like it, it doesn't interest I've I've read like the most um praise I've read this movie gets is like it's interesting that it like very clearly focuses on his marriage mm. and that's like the through line is about his marriage to um what's her Terry name? Mulligan. Well, yeah. <laughs> His wife's name is Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> so she's nominated for best actress as well, and um, it's just, I think it's kind of a boring thing to focus on from from what you see on the peripherals mm. of his life. Focus on I don't the know gay if I shit. that much about. <laughs> yeah, <kind laughs> but but also like I want to see more dick. <laughs> it's the same thing as Bohemian Rhapsody, right? How they ignored the like cocaine fueled parties. Mm to focus on whatever like what it showed us on the sidelines of his life i just feel like there may have been a more interesting through line to like devote most of the movie to and you know it's just got another hallmark of oscar Beatty is just these like very chewing the scenery monologues mm. from everyone involved. I, I don't think neither he nor Carrie Mulligan should be nominated. Be <laughs> well, there's the scene like, where it's, there's like a six minute scene of him conducting that he famously trained six years for. And he's, it's like, mm. there's all these memes now about like Bradley Cooper pushes for new award, most effort for a, like most effort mm. for a picture. Um, most acting. Yeah. But he, yeah. it's interesting because he he said like you know there's so much footage of 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 him and you like having to actually you know you can play a character in between the scenes but his actual conducting is something you have to really learn. But I I saw a great tweet that was like Bradley Cooper after like six years of training to 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 do this one scene be like ah yes it's almost there but it won't be complete until I wear a big fake nose like a fucking jackass. <laughs> <laughs> That's so what it is, eh? I don't know. What did you think, Aaron? You, you liked it more than poor things. Yeah, That's all yeah, I know. absolutely. That's all I know of your opinion. Of my hot take. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I've I saw a video of like uh, like an actual conductor breaking down that scene and being like, uh, it's all right. There are actually certain parts. <laughs> there are certain parts of it You're that are actually me. like would make it harder to be the orchestra because he's like working against what a conductor is supposed mm. to be doing. Mm. Um, Interesting. So I don't and, know. And you know what? Do you know what? That would be totally forgivable from a like artistic license point of view if he'd spent 
a few months getting yeah. the basic idea yeah. of conducting, yeah. which is what he should have done, I think, right? Like, that's probably what he should have done. Or if he hadn't wandered around being like, I spent six years training for this, people are going to be like, all right, well, it better be good, because if it's not, we're going to focus on this one minute detail and rip it apart. Yeah, 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 we're yeah. going to get some guy from the Tisch School of Music to tell you exactly how shit yeah. you are yeah. as conductor. Hey, you, you know who spent more than six years learning conductor? <laughs> Leonard Bernstein, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, to talk about what I felt about the movie, I was interested that it was nominated for screenplay because I actually think that's probably the weakest mm. part of the production, to be honest. Like you mm-hmm. talked about the fact that, you know, they had these kind of god awful Oscar bait monologues. And I think, you know, that oh, doesn't come the, from the, the acting, wave eh? of relief mm. that just hit me that you agree that they're god awful, Aaron. I thought, as as our resident actor, I thought you were going to come in here and be like, AJ, that acting t- from a technical level, from a craft level, is better than anything you could do, motherfucker. I mean, it's this probably, probably not is. untrue. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so please don't say that. <laughs> please do. I couldn't take it. My ego couldn't take it. No, it's, it's clearly better than anything anyone in this uh, on this podcast could do in terms of acting. But, um, <laughs> or anyone listening yeah, no. to it, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you're safe at home listening to this. You're fucking not. You're just <laughs> you as untalented as us. Yeah, exactly. You losers. Um, don't call your audience losers. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I thought there were like aspects of it that I really liked. Like there were certain scenes or like certain shots or like kind of those kinds of decisions that I really enjoyed. But you're right. Like overall, as a piece of art, it didn't it didn't really go anywhere. It sort of did feel a bit Oscar baity. Um, mm. But yeah, I thought there were some interesting choices made, and I thought Carrie Mulligan's performance was particularly good. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess it did feel a bit Oscar baity in the sense of just like even the actors playing the roles and stuff is kind of like, I don't know, it felt a little bit broad. Um, and even just like in the trailer that a little bit trite. Um, even in the trailer (laughs) that bit, just a touch trite boys. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my note. Um, that would be my director's note. (laughs) A little trite. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, even the, the like bit in the um trailer because I rewatched the trailer to remind myself because I saw it maybe like a month or two ago yeah. where he's like, If summer doesn't sing in you, and it's like repeated twice, and it's like, Oh man, you put you put it in the trailer. <laughs> this is the stuff what? you're proudest of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, you make you make his nose a tiny bit bigger, you've got a satirical Tropic Thunder trailer, or like it's it's like um, the jerk almost. The, the Steve Martin film where he's got that gigantic like Pinocchio nose. <laughs> oh my God. Give yeah. him that kind of nose and do a farce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, no, mate. No, I'm saying like in in the in the context of something like Tropic Thunder, you could make fun of the fact that this non-Jewish actor hmm. is like being really offensive to try win an Oscar. Yeah. It's and it's a, it's a it's a it's a touch away from that already hmm. being a sincere attempt. What, at winning it, an Oscar. It, 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 we should say that um like Bernstein's estate and family have said they don't have an issue with it and they think it's but you know they right. they don't speak for all Jewish people hmm. everywhere but they um. I, I would say my sort of thoughts on the film is that it's a very well-made film. I will give it that. And mm-hmm. I, I've this is something I've spoken about before on the podcast, but you know, the idea of a film being so bad, it's good. It's so camp that you can still enjoy it. This is an example of a film that's so good, it's bad. It's like, I, we've just spent the last 10 minutes like faulting stuff about it, but it's like, 
it's all good stuff but it's just mm. it doesn't none of it adds mm. up to anything remotely good like yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah that's so true yeah. eh? like all the elements are cool and, uh, yeah it's a well-made film uh, bradley cooper i think is a talented director but yeah it's just uh, and, and i think it's the fact that especially like musical biopics even though this is you know not not your traditional music um biopic but yeah it's like we've just seen these so much before and we've seen actors try really hard to win oscars and yeah it's interesting bradley cooper has a really interesting career yeah, I think this is better than like a lot of biopics we've seen oh, recently. Like, have you compared? <laughs> yeah, I I maintain this is much better than poor things. Now, nah, if you compare this to Bohemian Rhapsody, this is clearly a better movie yeah, than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, sorry, not not. Yeah, I'm not going out to bat for Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, I I think this is uh, to 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 build on what Richard was saying. This is an example. Of, you know, people say, oh, the whole is better than the sum of its parts, or the sum of its parts is better than the whole. This is, yeah, the sum of its parts are great. The whole is worthless to me. It is mm. valueless. It's just a to hole. Me, you know? Yeah. It's like a hole yeah. in the ground. Yeah, the whole is a hole. <laughs> Big old donut. I am. Um, any, any final thoughts on Maestro anyone wants to add? I'm no, good. I, th- I think we've summed it up, but I think it is that that idea of like not being the sum of the parts, like knots kind of coming together and coalescing and singing, I think is kind of, there's like a couple of movies this year, I'd say that kind of fit in that category mm. for me, um, mm. which is Poor like so interesting to see. Yeah, <laughs> just keep bringing it back to how much I don't like poor things. But, you know, like you can see the like elements of it and you're like, yeah, this is good filmmaking mm. or whatever, but ultimately it doesn't really they don't come together to create this magical thing that like affects you personally because you know that's like what it's all about Mm. at the end of the day right yeah Mm. so uh just before we get to our next film couple below the line uh things that we can talk about uh best visual effects up for up for nominations uh the creator godzilla minus one guardians of the galaxy volume three mission impossible dead reckoning part one and napoleon napoleon's interesting one that you know you'd ask me a year ago six months ago even i would have said oh this is going to be a big player at the oscars but i don't think it has has three nominations all up is there a likely front runner for visual front runner for visual i think the 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 underdog and like the story that people are wanting to happen i don't know if this is necessarily the the actual front runner godzilla minus one i I think so too uh because really small crew the director's just come out recently the director is a a vfx artist has come out and said about how like how much work he put into making the vfx team like a comfortable place to work and i mean not only you know not doing all this crunch time and shit that we hear about coming out of marvel but um you know, making sure they had like coffee machines and couches and like that it was actually like a nice harmonious office. And I think especially if that were to win um, this award, not only did they have such a smaller budget compared to any of these films, maybe Napoleon might be on similar wavelength to that, but like such a smaller team, such a smaller budget and way more comfortable working conditions. Even at, like in Japan as well, where like you know harsh working conditions, especially in those industries, are like don't get reported. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Godzilla that, minus yeah. one by any chance, Aaron? I have not, it's but I would so be interested to know what are the working conditions like for VFX artists. 
like very bad. <laughs> these people turning up to like bad. no no air conditions, just like really hard stools. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's not just VFX artists. It's like uh, animators, digital yeah. animators, video game companies are particularly bad for it. It's you've, you've heard the term like crunch, I assume. I don't know. Maybe not in this context. <laughs> so, like, it means a crunch. To, the the crunch refers to like people working like absurd amounts of overtime. Mm. So, people might be like, "Oh, the I don't know, Captain America three uh, had massive crunch." So yeah, it's like it's like an actual because it's like an actual term. It's not just like, "Oh, it's crunch yeah. time. We got to do it." It's like you'll hear, "Oh, they had three weeks of crunch," um, and right. it is like you yeah, were talking. 20 hour days for weeks on end sort of thing no days damn off. these poor vfx artists mm. why don't they why, why is the union not striking they're, I, they're not allowed to unionize or there's no union or something there's something with the vfx that um or I, like there was one vfx company that just recently voted to unionize or something and it was like a big step forward but the yeah, yeah. unions in vfx and and digital media are um historically an uphill battle um but yeah, I, I yeah. think, yeah, I mean, um, the creator had really, really strong VFX and another one that had quite a low budget comparatively. Mm. Um, mm. So I could see it going to either of those, personally. Mm. Um, yeah. Costume design. All right. Got another bunch of, we've got Barbie Kills the Flower Moon, Napoleon Oppenheimer, Poor Things. Interesting, yeah, uh, very, very rare that a contemporary set film wins costume design. Um, Barbie's in there, obviously, um, but surely Barbie's gonna gonna win. I would think Barbie. Yeah, but I could see poor things taking it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's okay. sort of about like either they te- it tends to focus on either like historical authenticity or mm. like cool out there avant-garde costumes mm. which i guess is poor like things is both. poor things kind of hits both yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of hard to compete with that but yeah i True. think i was looking at the trailers like i said before and mm. i don't know i was really struck by how magical and enjoyable the costuming was in barbie and it's mm. like an important element of the film and also of like the barbie thing you know mm. like what clothes is she wearing did you sew barbie a jacket when you were a child mm. i did not but my brother did you know <laughs> that sort of thing well. <laughs> all right so now on the count of three uh once again we will reveal our fourth i mean aaron i'm guessing yours will be poor things again but taking mm. maestro out of the running what is your least favorite What's the worst one? of the yeah. of the remaining films okay i actually need to think i i Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the maestro himself. Is... <laughs> okay, uh, let's go. Poor thing. Three, <laughs> three, two, one. Poor thing. Damn, I've been Oppenheimered out of the vote. <laughs> uh, You're uh, real keen in this vote. <laughs> so yeah, nice. there's a few here that I think are sitting on similar um, thing for me, but I thought I'd throw Aaron a bone and agree with him for poor things. I didn't love it as much as uh, a lot of people that I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I th- this one might have been a little bit overhyped for me, I think. Uh, I, I, I went into it expecting a life-changing experience this like flawless avant-garde masterpiece and the first thing that struck me and call me a dumb little idiot boy if you will but the okay okay get ready get ready uh the film took 
too long to get started for me. Uh, mm. It's it's about forty minutes, almost an hour before the plot really kicks into motion. And it, 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 to be fair, it is very clearly like an Act One situation and then Act Two, but it sort of it had that effect of like, well, by the time we're actually going on our adventure, I've kind of given up a little bit. And then contrast contrast that with the end of the film and. 10 minutes before the end we're introduced to a villain and then it's immediately resolved and so yeah i the, the biggest thing that struck me about the film was the pacing was all over the place um and with all films like this especially you know a director like yorgos lanthimos is that i have to preface any criticism by saying i get the film <laughs> i mm. i understand the <laughs> film it's not a case of i'm like I, I, okay you call me, my attention span too short or whatever but it's like it's not the film is too smart for me okay i just want to make that clear i'm not a st- stupid little boy okay aaron shaking the seat you're like yeah yeah you were same same I, yeah, I yeah, I <laughs> definitely that, yeah yeah i got it now but that's the thing eh? it's like it it has the vibe of like i'm a really smart film do you know how smart i am mm. i'm really an intelligent piece of filmmaking and it's like yeah i get it um it's just like coming on a little strong poor things <laughs> take me to dinner first before you ram down intellectual ideas well that see are that was the thing bit- like i i got bored of the first hour of dinner um i was like <laughs> i was like take me home and fuck me <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's your complaint essentially about poor things seems to somehow be it didn't get to the sex fast <laughs> enough. Which is like the prevailing thing I remember from that film was yeah, go, I, I did not know going into it how like regularly you would be seeing sex and nudity mm. in the mm. film. Not not that this guy's complaining, right, <laughs> but but like more like I I just I just did not know how full on it was. Mm. Um, a couple of days later, my flatmate was like, "Should I go to Poor Things with my parents?" And I was like, "I wouldn't. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't go with anyone's parents to this movie." Um, I re- I liked it seemingly more than than you guys did. I I think it's definitely uh something that. Uh, the more I've thought about it, the more I've liked it. Like coming out of it, I was like, "Is is Emma Stone really like in contention for best actress with that?" And then the more I thought about it, it's like, well, she does like really authentically depict someone who's essentially a baby becoming like a fully formed person with their own agency and beliefs and wants. And I felt like that was very organic. So I guess that is in a sort of a Forrest Gump kind of way is pretty good acting, mm. right? Like that it's it takes you across someone's life journey very in a sort of a, a truncated way. Um obviously the visuals are super interesting, mm. super unique. I think that's the first thing that that probably jumped out to anyone about it. Um I thought Mark Ruffalo was great. I'm Playing glad against that type, he got yeah, yeah nominated This for is the second most nominated actor. film of the bunch as well, with eleven nominations. There you go, there you go. Um, I agree, Richard, with your note about the villain showing up 10 minutes before the end. And I'm really like, I I would have, if you'd paused the movie at that point Mm. or a point around it, I think I would have bet money on an ending that didn't end up happening, Mm. which is the whole last act is about how God, Willem Dafoe's character, is dying. 
And we know that this is a scientist that knows how to transfer brains Hmm. into another healthy body. You've got a disposable villain you want to kill off. I was like, oh, they'll defeat the bad guy and put Willem Dafoe's dying brain, or his alive brain in this handsome man's dying body, because the whole thing is that Willem Dafoe is so horribly disfigured and ugly that he's never like mm. been shown any compassion or love his whole life so, and like, i don't really know if that character deserved a happy ending but the movie seemed to be implying he did mm. so i was like that's the direction they're going with it and he the bad guy gets turned into a goat um, the goat gets turned and, into the bad guy yeah yeah um, so he's, he's got a goat brain and all i could think when that was so the final scene of the movie is they're like having a a, a tea party in this mansion they have now and the bad guy's now got the brain of a goat and all i could think was man i would it would be much more satisfying to see mark ruffalo's character become in the goat. situation yeah like and and like like he spent the whole movie just being an and like a brilliantly acted but like pathetic villain mm. of a man right like like he was the character who i think i would have rather have seen step it up a notch to to take the place of this mm. random villain we bring in late. I think I was more invested in seeing that character get his comeuppance than anything which maybe made a bit more sense logically, which is, I think, what what it went with. Um, mm. It is based on a novel, though. I wonder if, the, if yeah. it is sort of blinded by the story possibilities by how the novel plays yeah. out. Potentially. I do just want to point out, you said something at the start of your bit there. I'm not just... I didn't want to just get to the sex, okay? I, 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 I was, I enjoyed the sex, the correct amount that a person is supposed to enjoy sex scenes in a movie. Yeah. Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, lo- 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 love me some, some sex scenes. Love me some <laughs> I uh, <can> female <laughs> masturbation scenes. Always mm-hmm. good. Mm. Um, one thing I would point out is that, like, clearly the 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 movie is kind of like a an allegory, right? Or kind of like clearly a sort of metaphor type story about you know like misogyny and you know female empowerment Fetish, through sex. fetishization of like. If if know. if yeah, if I may, I des- I've described it to people as. Um, what if a woman knew nothing about societal standards and was plopped into the real world? How she just just through not being offended by things, she would dismantle these sacred cows mm. that we, you know, like she finds out about like sex work, and instead of being like, oh, I don't know if I could do that, she goes, oh right, and you oh, make good, money because I like sex and I would so, need money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Like so, it's that's sort of what I think it is. Is, is it's like exploring how ridiculous some of our societal standards are by mm. saying what if a baby was a, a an adult's body mm. what if a baby was a sex worker <laughs> ask yourself this what if a baby <laughs> see it would be fine right best picture <laughs> best performance um yeah. yeah but if you take all that into account like um and i was talking to my girlfriend about this cuz we went and saw it together um it's like essentially a film that kind of attacks yeah and we both love the sex scenes no um (laughs) it's like a film that kind of says like you know misogyny is bad or whatever but it's like 
entirely a male creative cast and there's something about it that like because people talked about how kind of icky it is to think about a baby like essentially a baby like Mm. masturbating which is kind of what happens in the film and like it's even more kind of gross to think that like it's a male guy thinking about a female baby and then like a male kind of feel strange that this is not a female directed Mm. film doesn't it Yeah. yeah i think it's quite uncomfortable which i think is why the like kind of feminism of the film feels ultimately kind of empty because one it doesn't make any points that are kind of like new or interesting Mm. and two it's like it's it's like done by a man so it's like a man's version of feminism so you see the like hot chick masturbating stuff but not Mm. other like kind of you know the things that maybe we find a little gross like periods or or, or whatever <laughs> yeah or periods or like periods uh, we're the periods that's what I'm saying <laughs> where are the periods it's interesting someone in our discord the other day and I'm sure this wasn't an original like this might have just been all over Twitter and I haven't seen it yet but there was talk about like a, a Barbie sequel and they said we already have a sequel to Barbie it's called Poor Things and that mm. blew my mind <laughs> that it's yep. like you have this person who's you know barbie ends oh, with yeah. like this this woman in like you know a a very traditionally gorgeous woman's body who is completely naive to anything yeah. that happens in the real world yeah, is now thrust wow. into the real world and that's the plot of poor things and yeah, i was that's like exactly yeah. what i thought when i saw it i was like this is the same as barbie except like honestly less good and too intellectual yeah so and, shout out to Dr. Barrel who's, who's made that point. It blew my mind. <laughs> and both these things, uh, both these films provide feminist messages that afterwards as a, you know, a feminist, a, 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 granted a male feminist, but a feminist <laughs> nonetheless, my reaction was, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, yeah like, women, ne- yeah. right? Ne- yeah. <laughs> neither, movie, neither movie taught me something I didn't already like know or believe mm. about like feminist thought, I guess. Mm. Which like- Or maybe for- they tried to and I didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Too busy thinking about the sex scenes, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, but also like, which is why I think Barbie is more interesting and more creditable because like at least it's, commercially appealing and probably yes. like the message <laughs> the message like although simplistic is kind of like more important for the you know the sorts of people who are going to go and see this movie whereas like mm. these people are not going to go and see poor things the only people you watching poor that, things though, you reckon i think this this I, I couldn't explain to you why and in a vacuum i'd go yes of course barbie is a more marketable film than Poor Things. I feel like the marketing for Poor Things in Christchurch, New Zealand, at least, mm. which is not the most like liberal town, mm. has been like Certainly, it's probably one very, of the, the least like, liberal towns. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like like posters for Poor Things are all over the place. Mm. Like, wow. like it's everywhere. I, like, I it's, think though, even st- I mean, you know, apart from anything else, Poor Things is an R eighteen film. It's like a very explicit, mm. which immediately makes it less accessible. Um, to yeah. especially you know we're talking about people at that core age that need to learn these messages um whereas mm. yeah you know barbie is there was a barbie bus for god's sake <laughs> where was the poor things bus <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple more awards we can take a look at uh that have been given out uh best film editing anatomy of a fall the holdovers kills the flower moon oppenheimer poor things 
this is I, I think this is one of those key awards we've said this before but like mm. those key awards on the night that like if a film wins editing it's probably going to go on to win best picture and, and yeah I think you know mm. this is one that like if Oppenheimer takes out it's probably Oppenheimer's film to lose um, yeah. uh, best I picture agree. Um, but yeah it's the, the, this year is an interesting one because there's no obvious editing film you know normally there's like a war film or like a racing film or something that is like you watch and you go yeah fuck yeah that had a lot of editing in it and yeah whereas this one is just these are all just well edited films they're all paced well they're all i mean except poor things um (laughs) and and they just yeah they just flow nicely and and seem there's sort of invisible editing but yeah. I I was a guest star on the Letterboxd podcast a couple mm. of months ago, um, where they were talking. They wanted to talk to me about editing, um, and they asked me like, like you know, there's there's that old chestnut that like, what even is good editing? How do you award good editing? Because good editing could be should be invisible, and I described it to them as the the galaxy brain meme, where it's like the tiny brain is. Um, good editing is showy and flashy and Edgar Wright-esque kind mm. of editing, right? No, no, no. The bigger brain is good editing is invisible. Good editing is you don't even realize it's happening. And then the expanded brain is good editing is whatever fits the director's vision mm. for the film, right? Because something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which one editing and one best picture, is a film that is told through its editing more than any mm. you know like specifically like that is such a showy edited film mm. um but that's because it fits it fits the vision well i would also and say so, that like you used Edgar Wright as an example of like bad editing um not bad editing just showy editing but that, i think that, that especially something like baby driver it's like that that is a film he set out to tell with its editing yeah exactly and yeah so so out of these what are the nominees again uh anatomy of a fall hold of is kills the flower moon oppenheimer poor things well i've seen i haven't seen holdovers or um anatomy of a fall uh, anatomy of a fall yet but i will say that oppenheimer feels like it is the closest to the like big big boy edit Mm. of the of the bunch this year like it's 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 a film that like does a lot with it i mean this is more sound design yeah, stuff, so. but like that is that is a category of editing but it, you know it's told non-linear non-linearly um and you, you know and it's and not only is it two separate timelines but there's flashbacks within those yeah, timelines yeah. themselves and that is all somehow crystal clear if you're paying attention mm. you know whereas you might you know in a, in a less well edited film mm. you might not be able you might get confused by what timelines what yeah. you know so aj the editor is giving that one to oppenheimer mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> uh cinematography uh we got poor things oppenheimer maestro kills the flower moon and then a film called el conde which um I mean, Al Conde looks great. Mm. I wouldn't be, you know, from what I've seen of it, I would, I would like, I would, I think it looks good. But <laughs> yeah, uh, what what's front runner here? Uh, do you want me to pull up the actual like stats? I just assume you care about the front runners as much as I do, so that you'd have them memorized by now. Uh, I, I mean, I want the odds, goddammit. it! I want the odds <laughs> so I can start making these bits. I would. That's, just, what, this, yeah, that's yeah. what this podcast is all about. We need to transition to a becoming a betting podcast so we can attract the betting dollar money. I would just say that it's like in any technical award, you can probably assume Oppenheimer's the front runner. 
Yeah, right. And I think it is. Yeah, yeah it is the front runner for this. Um, wow. Yeah, interesting. Sweet, Good old sweet. Hoyt Van Hoytema, eh? Mm, it's. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how? <laughs> and how. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Count of three. Next least favorite film. So now we're taking poor things out. Oh we're taking maestro out so you've got left to choose and from. the other five we're not covering yeah, yeah. on this episode <laughs> which means that we have not designated the worst film yeah. yet we've just said the one out of this yes. five i want to make bracket. that very clear all right so <laughs> i'm just saying i might hate the holdovers more than my <laughs> i don't know uh i doubt it you absolutely won't but <laughs> uh so we've got kills the flower moon barbie and oppenheimer left to discuss mm-hmm. so three two one Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh oh. Oh no. About any of them. Well, you said Oppenheimer as well, didn't you, Aaron? No. I said Barbie. Oh, nice. Okay. Well. Um, but I'm happy to go. Whoa. Wait. Who said what? You said Oppenheimer. AJ. I was trying to be different. I I I didn't want to be accused of being sexist, but I probably would have said Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not a sexist. I'm happy to go with you on Killers of the Flower Moon if you want. If you want to do that next. Damn. Guess my next answer is going to be Oppenheimer as well. <laughs> uh, no, let's let's, wow. let's do let's do Barbie. I think um, let's. It's a good uh, follow on from Poor Things, but the yeah. So Barbie nominated for eight awards, uh, and this is you know we talk about famously snubbed film. Uh, it's uh, Greta Gerwig was not nominated for best director. Margot Robbie was not nominated for best actress and ryan gosling was nominated for best supporting actor and also um, america ferrera was nominated for best supporting actress but we'll come to all that in a second um we a lot of people have, have, come and I out. have already talked about this movie on two actually rich has talked about it on three separate podcasts already so. <laughs> but i i, I just want to talk about this this whole snub thing because so a bunch of people have come out and said like uh like similu uh, and Ryan Gosling have all said like there's no film without those two, so like they were absolutely snubbed. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who's an EGOT winner, so like it's not just like why is Whoopi Goldberg commenting on this? Um, <laughs> has said you know not everyone gets a prize. It's subjective. Um, movies you love might not be nominated. Like yeah, sorry. Uh, Michelle Yeoh said there's not enough nominations to go around. It's so competitive. There's no guarantee you get um, a nomination. Mm. So. So, so the people who have been directly rewarded by the enemy <laughs> in the past are saying, it's not their fault. The system's fair. That's why I got an Oscar. <laughs> Margot Robbie has um, broken her silence just recently and said, there's no way to feel sad uh, when you're this blessed. Obviously, I think Greta should be nominated as director because what she did is once in a career, once in a lifetime thing. What she, pull, what she pulled off, it really is. Uh, it's been an incredible year for all the films. People's reactions to the movie have been the biggest reward of this entire experience. I've never been a part of something like this. Not like this. I've done comic book stuff and that gets a big reaction, but this felt different. It still feels very different. And I can't think of a time when a movie's had this effect on culture and it's amazing to be the eye of the storm. And I think that's the thing, is that like... Also, a lot of people um, I saw immediately on on Twitter, on TikTok and stuff, people being like, Margot Robbie deserves a nomination. Like, uh, she put so much work into getting this film made. Like, the amount of effort she put in and, like, she managed to pull off this thing. It's like, yeah, she is nominated for an Oscar for doing that. She's a producer on the film, which is arguably her bigger contribution to the film, in a way. Um, Mm. And I think the Greta Gerwig... um, quote-unquote snub is a different thing because uh, i also saw a lot of people being like oh you know this movie about feminism oh and they nominated the guy it's like 
they didn't choose Ryan Gosling over Margot Robbie. They weren't nominated in the same category. Uh, I and but I I have loved seeing that everyone like even even the 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 people crying out snub and how uh you know what a travesty this is aren't being like well you know we got america ferreira because even they are like i don't i don't get it either like that that was it's the opposite of a snub yeah that that was probably the biggest surprise of the um the whole supporting actress category i think is is a bit of a a wash this Mm. year or at least i feel like i could fill out those five slots with with, you reckon uh, you could do better, better than all of them? I reckon I could fill those <laughs> five slots. Yeah, it's interesting because to say um, best actress, especially with the best actress conversation, I haven't seen Nyad. I also haven't seen a lot of discussion about Nyad. Presumably, that's the one you lift. But like, both director and actress are two that are like pretty tight races, and to say. This, they should have been nominated. And, like, you know, believe this if you want, but you need to be able to confidently say not just she was one of the best actresses or um, best directors of the year. You need to be able to say better than one of these. And I think that when the nominations came out, a lot of people, there was a subtle kind of, like, why, you know, I haven't heard of Anatomy of a Fall, so that shouldn't have been nominated. But it's like Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall, who also stars in Zone of Interest, um... And Justin Triet, who's the director of Anatomy of a Fall, it's like they 100% deserve to be there. And I'm sorry, more than Mark Robbie and Gerda Gerwig in my mind as well. Like, if I, I would put both of them above. Um, the only one out of, I haven't seen Zone of Interest, um, mm. but that's that and Nyad are the only two in those categories that I haven't seen. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily be willing to lift any of the other nominations out to replace with either of them. I think, though, the argument that, um, you know, you were saying before about the fact that, like, a, the, they, they, did, they, they didn't give it to, like, the feminist or whatever is kind of true because, like, they put um, Yorgos Lanthimos as best director for, like, <laughs> yeah. essentially what is, like, Art House Barbie. Yeah. So in some respects, they kind of did lift yeah. the man above the woman in terms of, like, telling a feminist tale, so which I think is kind of point. pretty awkward to think <laughs> about. And also, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, Surely Barbie is like so much more like culturally important and kind of interesting that you would say that like the director is so influential on that thing, mm. like agree. the production and stuff that like it should be nominated. But maybe I'm wrong because apparently in Christchurch, New Zealand, uh, maybe Poor Things is much more yeah. of a cultural phenomenon. Oh, that's not to say anything about the Barbie marketing that also happened. Uh, yeah, there's a, a Barbie bus earlier. for God's sake. I, there's a Barbie bus for God's <laughs> sake. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it's like. Um, feeling that sad I, I don't know i can't feel that sad for multi-millionaires about their billion dollar movie with like eight nominations i get i get what you're saying and look if anyone uh was quick to draw when the nominations were announced it was a little old aj over mm. here who took to his keyboard and um immediately typed up some strong thoughts but i wanted the and not not long after there was this like bounce back where pe- people essentially saying what you say said richard that like well you know there are problematic elements in thinking that these two were snubbed and not you know not saying anything about america Ferreira or etc and also like lily gladstone Um, you know being the first and lily i want to i want to make something clear and how i'm different from the people being problematic um 
I actually don't have a problem with Margot Robbie not being nominated for mm. Best Actress. I actually didn't think she was going to. Mm. I don't know if I even thought she was in the conversation. If you're talking about acting in the Barbie movie, you're talking about Ryan Gosling, which is not to say that it's not a feminist film. It's just the tools that the, and the, the assets that make up this feminist film use the dipshit male character as a source of comedy and a lot more of the, like, more interesting acting moments happen to come from there. It happened with um, Adam Driver getting nominated for Black Klansman when he's like the one white mm. guy in the film. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's like, yeah, but but they are, they contribute to the the message that you are supporting still. Mm. My, my problem with Greta Gerwig not getting nominated for Best Director is far less like, here's what I'd do to solve it and more like, oh, here goes the Academy yeah. again. That, that it's like, you know, people were like oh would you replace justine triet with with greta gerwig then because she's also a fit mm. this happened to me in the discord ha aj the anatomy of a full director also female you just assumed male because her name looks vaguely like justin didn't you and it's like <laughs> yeah okay, i did <laughs> well, like, but, but okay it, yeah i did then i looked then i looked at that and like, i saw the e and i saw that it was justine <laughs> oh justine no i i it's like okay well my problem is more that like we're celebrating one woman getting into the five director slots and i would go further and say i think that maybe what if it was all women <gasps> like you know like like this is the, the it seems so absurd to <laughs> You're the like, other side i actually don't think like, uh greta gerwig got snubbed i think women everywhere got snubbed <laughs> women everywhere got snubbed and, and like i will also say for the the fucking cultural phenomenon that barbie was this year to not not as aaron said to not nominate the director for that feels like one of these things where the oscars are being like why does nobody like us anymore and it's like because you didn't reward the director of like the most the biggest popcorn film of the year biggest cultural phenomenon of probably the last couple of years even yeah um, I, I just like looking at the i again i haven't seen sign of interest but i know jonathan glazer is a great director and it's like I, 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 even with my hangups about poor things, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is such an idiosyncratic director that when if he can make a film work with that like clear and um almost like alienating of a style and still have this movie that people love, I gotta mm. reward that. I I'm gonna be controversial here. I would have I would have lifted Marty for Greta. I think. Well, I guess I, you just like, hate Native I'm, Americans. Th th <laughs> thank God he's I'm not... He's a feminist, yeah, but he's also colonial. Scorsese is a white man. Like, we're not, like, I'm safe here. I checked my boundaries and I'm safe to say that, actually. Um, but, but like, like I'm not in charge of these decisions, right? I'm not part of the Academy. So I know it might sound like lunacy to say that I don't think Martin Scorsese should have... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
been nominated for best directive because he's supposedly a shoo-in for 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 two out of every three films he makes he's a shoo-in for <laughs> best director um like but but like if i'm saying which direction like the craft of directing did i enjoy more i much preferred gerwig over scorsese in this case but who cares what I think? Yeah. I rewatched Barbie the other day so that I would have a fresh perspective I didn't already have, having talked about it so much already on the podcast. And I do not have a fresh... It's mm. like about <laughs> as good as I remember it being. I have the same problems with the weird third act that I've mm. already spoken about. Mm. Um, I still, again, to reiterate, I love the idea of like teaching the follies of the patriarchy through saying what if it was the opposite and uh, basically leading the audience and you know and the best case scenario um ignorant male audience members down the garden path of being like this this society where women control everything and the men are subjugated is horrible and then the film goes yeah it is now think about what your world looks like i think that's a brilliant technique and like some really like uh, just a really interesting yeah i, I would uh, say that it's like again the like well what if the genders were reversed is like baby's first comparison you know mm. exposing and that's of, what this movie is yeah though. exactly that's what i'm saying right? and i'm and i'm not saying that as a criticism it's it's that if you want to tell a like truly feminist film or like any film with like and I, I hate using this word, but like any film with that much of an agenda where you are actually trying to get a point across. Because, um, mm. you know, you compare it with like big blockbusters like Marvel films and stuff like that. Like, you know, call them woke, whatever. But they're not actually trying to educate you or make you a better person at the end of it. But it's lip service. To, to have a, like a, tr- a, f- a film with a message that you truly want people to take home and still be like a four quadrant film that appeals to a big as big an audience as possible you do kind of have to do the square one what if the genders were reversed um totally yeah and so i'm not saying there's a criticism it's it's like that's how you reach the biggest audience well and hopefully the people who were moved by that message will go on to learn even more things about equality and they can go and watch poor things and watch an art house version of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Aaron, yeah, I mean, AJ and I have talked to death about Barbie on other episodes of this podcast, but yeah, any sort of major thoughts, feelings you have about the actual film? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I thought it was really fun, uh, a really fun romp, uh, very funny, some hilarious things. And I think it's interesting that you kind of talk about the fact that it's kind of reversed or like the kind of ideas of like gender reversal and things like that, because I think like it actually operates the best when it's like lampooning misogyny and like male culture. Mm. Like I think those are kind of the best elements of the Barbie movie is like, you know making men look absolutely ridiculous. And I think those are like the most successful moments of it, like getting across his message because one, it's like fun for the audience and two, it's like, oh, these people are dumb. This whole Mm. thing is dumb. Mm. Whereas like you kind of contrast that with the America Ferreira monologue moment, which again, you know, like talking about Oscar monologues, Mm. this is a pretty uh, clear example. And it's just so bad. And so (laughs) like, yeah, cool. It's like, (laughs) Have you ever seen in South Park, um, there's like a teacher uh, character in South Park who's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Mackey. 
Yeah, Mr. Mackey. He does like the drug talk to kids and he's like, drugs bad, okay? Yeah. It's like that whole scene was just like, it's hard to be a woman, bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> bad, okay? Um, yeah. Which is like, like it, it, it absolutely is, but also I guess it's like that tension between like, yeah, I know. I, of course I know all these things. It's like being on the internet for 10 years, but then also <laughs> You've like... You've only been you know, on the internet for 10 years, Aaron. Goodness me. Late yeah. bloomer. <laughs> well, yeah. you know... I, M- Mum would I got, not have it until I was 20. <laughs> until I was 21. Was 21, yeah. <laughs> Finally allowed to be on the internet. That's, that's how it and works, And then you discovered, right? yeah, fuck, yeah, it's yeah. hard to be a woman. <laughs> Man, apparently it's hard to be a woman. <laughs> the first 21 years of my life, I've been treating them like shit. Yeah, I don't know why mum kept me off the internet. I would have been not much nicer to her. Yeah, the, on- the only man in history to become more of a feminist. After <laughs> more open-minded, less weird. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great movie. Um, I think, yeah, the problem, I think the difficulty with a role like Barbie and probably why um, she was not nominated was because it's like such a kind of straight man role. Mm. You know, it's like nothing that's particularly like interesting or memorable. And like she is also the kind of like the the moral center of the the of the world as well. So she's kind of like the person who's responsible for the message, mm. which is like I don't know. It makes it hard to kind of connect with a character when they're so kind of obviously the the vessel through which like a message is being delivered. And that's why kind of like the fun characters are more memorable or more. You know, like the performances are more interesting, like even in poor things. And I guess it sounds kind of, maybe it sounds a little bit misogynistic, but some of the like peripheral male characters were like more memorable and kind of funny because they're not tasked with this thing of like holding the movie together. They can just like provide these kind of broad brush strokes. Barbie and Bella need to be at least some semblance of an audience surrogate in their own films, mm. whereas... Yeah, exactly. The, the, which is, like, a hard thing to be interesting with sometimes, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is, like, the, I guess, you know, it's the task, but also the kind of challenge of being in a role like that and then also, you know, making that an Oscar-worthy role. Yeah. I, I will say about Barbie that it's... Um, it, that I can think of or remember, it's probably the funniest Best Picture nominee I've... I've I can think of. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. The scene where they're like playing guitar, being like, I wanna <laughs> push you around. Like the most incredibly astute observation of men and male culture <laughs> I've seen for a long time, mate. Alrighty. So yeah, just to take you guys through a couple more awards here. Um let's go to one of the big ones, which is uh best animated feature. So we've got nominated The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. For me, this category has the biggest snub of the ceremony, which is um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which I'm on the record as not being a fan of TMNT. That film Mm. is so fucking good. Uh, I still need to see it. I missed it. It's so good. The animation is is gorgeous. Um, I... I haven't seen Nimona or Robot Dreams, but I've heard really good things about Nimona. I haven't heard that much about Robot Dreams, but it's like... Oh, I've, I'm the opposite. I've heard good things about Robot Dreams and like nothing about Nimona. Yeah, Nimona was like a Netflix film that was abandoned by a different... It was a Blue Sky studio. Um, when, when they, sorry, um, sorry, I do know... 
Okay, I guess I lied. I know enough about Nimona to know what it, what it was. Like, <laughs> I, I more meant like reviews from it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just like one of those songs that I, it was more like a, oh, it flew under the radar a lot of people, but it's it's really good. And then yeah, Robot Dreams. I I, I it was playing at the film festival here, but I didn't get around to it. And it's um supposed to be quite good. Like, it's TV quality animation. Yeah, it's very like yeah, like Flash. Um, yeah, uh, isn't that interesting? Animation, but yeah, no, no dialogue in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just like, it's it's a very strong um, category this year, but it's just a shame that a film like TMNT, which in any other year would be the best film of the year, by uh, best animated film by a mm. wide margin. Um, but yeah, th- this one is, is a toss-up between Across the Spider-Verse and The Boy and the Heron. I would probably give the edge to The Boy and the Heron at this point. Yeah. Um, hmm. But, you know, Makes sense, given yeah. it's probably his last movie, right? He's already working Not on another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Good lord. yeah. <laughs> he just Back like, into it. Workaholic. Well, it's that Japanese Man. work ethic, you know. You, you, the, the, I, <laughs> I think the that, that, yeah. that genuinely, though, like what Spider Verse does with animation is so much more impressive than what the boy in the heron does, which is just like another top top notch job mm. from studio ghibli like whereas spider-verse is like pushing even more so than from the first one is pushing like the boundaries pushing like, the medium like forward thought, yeah yeah exactly i thought it was so interesting in spider-verse another movie i rewatched so that i could talk about it properly which is going to be a theme for this cheat sheet series i think mm-hmm. um which i guess to any other podcast that's just yeah do your fucking work <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like no i actually don't rewatch movies that often these days um but you know like like there are like in gwen stacy's universe mm. how like the every, watercolor every yeah every shot has got like a different base color behind it mm. and it it looks way more like i don't know, just experimental you and abstract yeah you know what i saw it two nights ago oh wow did you it was love so it? good yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Just like the, <laughs> the one thing that struck me immediately was that the sound mixing is like the the music level was like super Aaron, high, and then the dialogue level started. was like <laughs> very low. So we were literally yeah. like changing the volume all the time to be like, I really hope we're not pissing off our neighbors with like the loudness. But then they'd start talking. You'd have to be like, Oh, I can't hear anything, dude. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought this up. Sorry to de- to, to derail the podcast. Talk about Spider Verse again. I saw this in the cinema. And as it started with Gwen Stacy's like monologue, it was so fucking quiet oh that you could hear people like eating their popcorn louder. Than- the whole movie felt like it was playing on like a nine volume. I, I had to re-watch the film with subtitles when it came yeah. out on Netflix or whatever because I was like, I feel like I really liked Cross the Spider-Verse, but I couldn't understand like <laughs> dialogue was just horrifically racist. Dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and it it really like like inf- impacted my experience watching it for the first time. And I think even though I rewatched it, I still feel now like I I was I had the like pure experience taken from me mm. of watching across the Spider Verse. Like I feel very it feels very hard to me to judge it fairly now because i feel like like the first time i saw it was like so annoying Mm. yeah Yeah. which is interesting because it's like when you think about best animated film are you talking about like the animation is the best or is this the best film that is animated because like you'd have to dock at some points of like it was real hard to hear at some points. Great movie, but hard to hear at some oh, yeah. points. It's one that they actually they put out a new sound mix like a week or later into cinemas because people could. I, it wasn't an issue at my screening, I should say. Um, but 
I I read about a bunch of people having issues with it. Yeah, Rich is like I'm not. So I'm not saying it's it didn't happen to you guys. Just that it didn't happen to me. Mm. Anyway, I <laughs> thought Barbie was too mean to men. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, just mo- quickly, have you guys seen the um, documentary on Hayao Miyazaki? It's like a four part documentary about him oh, making. Um, um, about making Ponyo, I think, or Windrise. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Um, um, it's a Kingdom of Dreams and Madness or something. It's called. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can watch it for free on NHK, and you can also watch Sumo Wrestling for free on NHK, oh, as oh. I found out. Mm-hmm. Say um, no more. But yeah, very interesting. Very hard guy to work with, I imagine. Yeah. Really a testament to how difficult it must be to work in the uh, Japanese VH- <laughs> community. Yeah. If he's anything to go by. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah it's- I saw a meme the other day that was like, when you're a terrible person, but you make a f- film that makes people feel good, so everyone celebrates you. And just like a picture of Miyazaki surrounded by all his characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's like the famous. Um, there's a bunch of memes about like the man versus the art and it's like Miyazaki being like this dark horrible tortured soul and makes like these beautiful bright happy worlds and then on the contrast there's like a Junji Ito who's makes like the most like morbid like graphic mm. dark and then like all the photos of him are like doing like cat paws with cat ears and shit like that and it's just like <laughs> the most happy-go-lucky man and makes like he made Uzumaki if you know what that is um with like all these just like dark stuff but uh two films left to talk about kills the flower moon and oppenheimer once again we haven't seen five of these films and we're removing the three we've already talked about so on the count of three we're going to say our least favorite out of oppenheimer and kills the flower moon i think i know what ajs is going to be um maybe i'll surprise you (laughs) three two one kills the flower Flower Moon. moon You guys fucking love Oppenheimer too much, man. This is silly. I no, I guess you and the rest of the, the yeah. I, 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 you don't don't the way fucking come come at us like don't that. don't fucking come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you come on this podcast? So <laughs> that just makes me want to come on this podcast more. <laughs> Kills the Flower Moon, third most nominated film with uh, ten nominations. Uh, we can go through what those nominations are if you'd like. Uh, where are we? Yes. So, please, please do it. Uh, we need picture it. director, actress for Lily Gladstone, supporting actor for De Niro, cinematography, editing, uh, production design, costume design, original score, and original song. So funny that no one is going like, oh, they snubbed Leo DiCaprio. Like, like this year's uh court of public opinion only had room for like Greta Gerwig and, and Margot Robbie in terms of their mm. outrage you yeah, know? yeah. The, <laughs> whereas Leonardo DiCaprio who used to be the king of, of the snub club, he's got an has, Oscar <laughs> now he gives a yeah, shit exactly. yeah exactly people don't give a shit anymore <laughs> um, it could happen to you Bradley Cooper <laughs> people won't care about your your prosthetic nose and your ears just just relish it just enjoy it while you can man I, uh, you know I was thinking while watching Maestro man Star Wars Born was so good and that trailer <laughs> how good was that trailer and, and then it got me thinking about like Bradley Cooper movies with real good trailers see the trailer for American Sniper it was so good <laughs> American Sniper has a great trailer I actually quite like the okay. movie, but it's a great trailer. Okay, Richard. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about this. Uh, because it's this my is podcast. an incredible tangent. 
so yeah kills the flower moon uh based on true story this this had a, a lot of uh flack when it was sort of announced that you know as you pointed out earlier aj Spon scorsese is a white man and yeah telling the story of the osage murders um you know a very native uh, indigenous story and is he the person to tell it but it's interesting that like since the movie has come out i haven't really seen a lot of that um dialogue interestingly i don't know if you guys have or if it's just something i haven't been seeing uh, a, a bit here and there i've seen the odd tweet yeah. i think um, it's certainly not as much even, as when it was announced i think no, once people no. actually see the film yeah well it's because it's like it's like yeah the white man is focusing on the depraved white men in the story mm. it's, it's like that's where it's coming from yeah and it's it's hard for me to have seen opinions about it because obviously i've only been using the internet for 10 years so you're, you're still <laughs> catching <laughs> up on like yeah, the takes yeah. about the artist Exactly, and this movie yeah. was in fact announced 11 years ago <laughs> <laughs> i've actually just been catching up on the internet um <laughs> been reading every what? everything i can since it was just created. gif of this dancing baby <laughs> shit's hilarious <laughs> i'm up to 2007 at this point nice <laughs> evolution of dance video Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, true. The yeah. cats must be huge at the moment. <laughs> they are. Can I, I has them. cheeseburger? <laughs> so, yeah, Kills the Flower Moon. This is. I, I, I felt a similar way about The Irishman, Scorsese's last film. It's similar length as well. He said that his next film was like a 90 minute film about Jesus. Um, so, hooray for us with short attention spans. But the. And a heart for the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But he, um, yeah, like, like, I remember with The Irishman, it was like, I enjoyed it. It was the kind of film that you sort of just let wash over you a bit. And I didn't feel like I had to, like, pay close attention to the whole thing. But then the final scene of that film with Robert De Niro being left alone in his retirement home and scared of an ajar door is like oh god the whole movie makes sense now i get it like it's such a perfect note at the end of that film and then i had the same thing with kills the flower moon and on paper it's kind of a weird ending and like to describe it it's it's that it flashes to uh and sort of undetermined time in the future and there's now a radio play being performed about the said about the movie you've just seen randomly one of the actors is jack white from the white stripes which was very through completely through me when i first saw the movie and then i i, I barely saw people talk about but then man scorsese himself comes out and delivers the final lines of the film to the camera um saying you know that that lily gladstone's character um, molly burkhart passed away years later her obituary didn't mention you know, made no mention of the murders and i was like damn i guess i really just needed a white man to spell it out to me to be like damn <laughs> they had it rough but they but yeah I, I don't know it was just it was like a, a perfect little button on the film and i, th- I think scorsese is actually a pretty decent actor um i mean he's he's popped mm-hmm. up every now and then in his films but um and in shark tale of course but <laughs> yeah it was it was yeah it's that that, that was like this stage of his career it's like this film's getting pretty long, but he, boy, does he know how to drive him home. Mm. Yeah, I, I reckon the thing that I enjoyed most about the film broadly would probably be the performances, mm. uh, or at least the like 
the way that like i enjoyed watching the characters more than i necessarily was enjoying Mm. the plot of the movie i was a little bummed out having not really knowing much about the like who ernest burkhart was going Mm. in like like i knew about um the osage i'd I'd heard about the osage murders when the film was announced and i thought it was so fascinating and such an interesting cool like story to to make a movie about. yeah it's cool eh? Um, well, I was actually very careful with my words, Richard, and said cool story. <laughs> um, and, and then to find out that, like, very early on, no, no, Ernest Burkhart is, like, complicit in the worst way mm. in the film. I was like, oh, I thought this, I thought he was, like, a sympathetic character in this. I was all ready for that. I, I think that's um, what Scorsese does really well, though, is mm-hmm. that it's like, oh like look at this guy he's the main character come on and then it's like mm. no no like it, it, it's it's saying something and this is like especially um wolf of wall street was was really big on this is that it's like show, exposing the worst parts of the audience by making them sympathize with oh not mm. necessarily like sympathize but like um connect with these characters and then you know the, like that's the, the, the final shot because again it's a great button on a scorsese film but like the final shot of um wolf of wall street being the audience captivated by every word that he has to say and it's like this Mm. is you you're the audience Mm. watching this Mm. i have just taken you along for this ride and um Mm. yeah i I, that's an interesting part that it's it's uh, most directors would like try to find the humanity in the character whereas like scorsese Mm. tries to find the lack of humanity in the audience which yeah, is wow, so interesting wow, in the Richard. casting. <laughs> nice. Because, like, <laughs> DiCaprio is such an everyman, eh? Like, you kind yeah. of... you He's cool. You want to be DiCaprio. Even, yeah, he's as cool know. as the Osage murders. N- not, not my... <laughs> hey, hey AJ. not my description necessarily, Aaron, of, a, of an everyman. I don't know if I'd describe yeah, that's true. an, an I guess everyman it's... as someone everyone wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe it's the opposite. He's both... He's who we all aspire to be, but he also feels like, you know something we could potentially be because he's not like, you know, he's put on some weight, etc., cetera, et cetera. He's like say a... It. He's say a, you don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is hot. Say the words, Aaron. He's still hot, man, but he's like <laughs> he's like less chiseled than he, he once he's was. He's achievable hot now. Yeah, exactly. We could all be that hot, maybe with a lot of work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. It really does play a sort of like a, a switcheroo that you're like, this is going to be our vessel through the whole film. And then you're like, no, the vessel is like the worst guy. This is you. You are the worst. Mm. You suck. Mm. Which what? I guess is maybe why it's appropriate for, I don't know, vaguely appropriate for a white director to kind of tell that story. Mm. Well, it's the same kind of thing about like, you talk to someone about um, like Breaking Bad and it's like, when did you stop rooting for Walter? And some people... It's like, oh my god, right away, he cooked meth, are you kidding me? And then some people, it's like... He said the F word! <laughs> hey, only in the first couple of episodes, but like, um, <laughs> then, you know, and some people it's like, you know, season four finale, some people it's season five, and then some people, you know, were still rooting for him right to the end. That, like, you watch Kills the Flower Moon and you want to believe, oh no, he's just being manipulated by um, Hale, Robert De Niro's character, and... It's like, when did you stop believing that he was, you know, just a pawn in this? And mm. again, I think it's different for a lot of people about like when you when you click onto that. 
For me, it yeah. was when I read the Wikipedia page afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I he think was that- a villain, <laughs> but he just likes money. <laughs> but he's Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think Ernest Burkhart is a really fascinating character to centre in the story because he is the stupidest character in the mm. story. And, and I think that's a really interesting angle to take. And ultimately, my favorite thing about the movie was that he basically, the character gets to the point where he's like, the only way I can achieve freedom is to be honest. Like, I, the truth mm. will set me free, basically, right? So he he cops to everything. He, his Almost name everything. is. You he, can't quiet. What, so yeah. That, yeah Sorry, thank yeah. you that's what I'm sort of, sort of gearing up to is that he's he's able to like like the lesson he is regularly learning across the movie is in order to uh, earn your wife's love this woman you are legitimately in mm. love with I think the, the film is telling you um, in order to earn her love you need to come clean on everything and he's always too scared and too scared you need to become the, earnest you need to become earnest, Burkhart. Um, and then he he gets all the way to, like, you know, his name and his legacy and his uncle's name prison. has been yeah. exposed. He's going to prison. And she's like, what were you slipping me in my drink? And he says he doesn't know. And it's like, at the final hurdle, it's like, fuck you, Ernest Burkhart. You actually don't deserve love because you, you have, you have, you are once again faced with the challenge you've been overcoming the whole movie, and you once again step away. You're from just too much of a truth. wiener. Yeah, which is a great character arc. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Um, I will say I, I like this movie a lot, but, but no, too my, long. I never, mm, huh? Too long. Too long. Well, that sort of is going on what I was funny. saying beca- because it's not funny at all. No, <laughs> I I uh, got really excited by the can you find the wolves in this picture mm. from the trailer. And I think that is on a graph. That's where I was most hyped by this mm. movie was watching the first trailer. Yeah. Like that promised me like a, a movie that w- wasn't, didn't quite. It's going to have like a hide and seek element to it. Some sort of wolf shows up. I believe. I was looking Killers for a wolf. Of a flower moon. They they presumably go to space at some yeah. point, and there's like some sort of space murderer. The um, uh, there's a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I will say uh, one thing that I want to talk about is that um, when the film came out, a lot of people taking to to the various social medias to talk about is um, Brendan Fraser's performance in the film. That hot, you know, first film after his Oscar win, his big comeback, and just just the most insane performance as um as the lawyer, and mm. I I I've defended it by being like, well, you know, like the character is putting on a little bit as well. I don't think, you know, this is necessarily. I also Brenda think Frozen. it's like, well, do you get somebody to play the lawyer, or do you get somebody to play the lawyer? Yeah. Anyone you pick is going to be like doing a big thing if it's hmm. if they're a name. Yeah. Right? I thought I thought it was a fucking hilarious performance. What do you think, Aaron? Of the performance. I honestly can't remember it. What, what He plays the lawyer and there's the scene where they like first go to court and he like and he's trying to get um the trial delayed or, or mistrial or whatever and he like stands up and he's like my client <laughs> and just like oh, this insanely yeah. large performance. Oh and when he's telling off Ernest and he's like you stupid boy i was like what are you doing man this is such a strange performance uh, the most acting he's doing the most acting yeah. give him the oscar again yeah give br- him the um, damn oscar bradley cooper watches the film he's like damn 
Brendan's got it. <laughs> <laughs> I did Brendan's the prosthetics. Somehow beating me for best lead actor. At <laughs> supporting actor at best at this. Uh, um, how beautiful were some of the shots, though? You got to say mm. that like a lot of the shots in that in the movie were pretty incredible. Some of the stuff like the train shots, mm. the like the final shot with the um, like the drone shot, the powwow that's the like dancing ceremony yeah what an amazing thing to end on um yeah i think that's one of the main things that struck with me is like yeah the quality of the filmmaking was clearly very high Mm. some of those scenes with the like acting like you know between lily gladstone and um leonardo dicaprio when they're kind of falling in love or whatever are pretty Mm. beautiful scenes but that's Um, the thing as well that it's like he's this evil guy but like their their meet cute and their first conversations are actually adorable. Like, yeah, I, I, you, you, you do feel for their relationship in a sense. Yeah, and because it's hard won as well. It's not like she like lets him in. Mm. You're like, oh, he worked so hard to get into her life, and now like he's just awful. He's murdering all of her. Yeah, the literal murder of her family members. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. I, but like, yeah, Lily Gladstone, phenomenal performance in the movie, and mm-hmm. would love to see her take home an Oscar. I'm guessing it's going to be between her and Emma Stone. Um, Which is you seen she, her? She, she should be nominated. I reckon she sh- she would kill in the much um, derided supporting actress nominations this year, because uh, I think that's a supporting character. Mm, yeah, it's it's that weird thing where it's she's a supporting character, but she's the lead actress. I, I could know, be wrong, man. but I feel like she was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for some of the other like um, industry awards because I I seem to remember. And maybe that's like kind of the thing as well that forced Margot Robbie out was mm. that like they moved yeah, some yeah, people absolutely. from categories because they sometimes do that, eh? Yeah, uh, I well, ther- theoretically no, it's all just pure unadulterated Oscar maths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it looks like she's actually uh, lead everywhere. Um, oh, really? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. She, she, like she won lead actress being... at the um, Golden Globes. Ah, okay. For My drama, but I think um, Poor Things was a comedy. So, uh, but yeah, I think supporting based on just you know uh the front runners and shit i think supporting is uh divine joy randolph from the holdovers that's she's the favorite for that from the greatest movie of all of these oscars (laughs) i'm I'm very excited to watch the holdovers i haven't seen it yet uh all right one film left to talk about uh three two one oppenheimer oppenheimer Oppenheimer. yeah thank you finally we agree aj so i agree aj it is better than all these movies we've talked about (laughs) so oppenheimer yeah the most nominated film uh with 13 nominations uh i can see if i can quickly pull those up for you guys thank you uh, best picture, best director, best actor for Killian Murphy, supporting actor for Robert Downey Jr., who's very much the favourite in that category, uh, supporting actress for Emily Blunt, adapted screenplay for Christopher Nolan, original score for Ludwig Göransson, best sound, production design, cinematography, makeup and hairstyling, costume design, and editing. All right, let's go through them again, and we'll all quickly say if we think Oppenheimer should get it. Okay. Go, go and reverse all. Uh, film editing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, costume design. No. 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 Uh, makeup and hairstyling. No. No. Yeah, it's just it's one of those ones that's not the most obvious. Although the the aging of Killian Murphy is pretty good. Uh, cinematography. 
Sure. Probably. Not, not upset. Not upset at yeah. this winning. Uh, production design. No, I would. I would have no, to give it to Barbie. That's like. Yeah. B- well, poor things. Yeah. Uh, sound. I would give it to this. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's it, yeah. Nolan having struggled with sound for years is like mm. this is the sound is the best part of the film. Uh, he had his through the Spider Verse. Was it through the Spider Verse across, uh, across the Spider Verse? Yeah. Um, and now he's perfected his craft. <laughs> uh, original score. God, you've really highlighted how much lamer of a word through is than across, Aaron. I'm going to be thinking about that for a. Oh, really? You were like through. through the Spider Verse. Dumb across. Yeah, that is better. Across. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, original score, uh, which for the record is up against American Fiction. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is shouldn't be in there. Uh, Kills the Flower Moon, which is a posthumous nomination for Robbie Robertson and uh, Poor Things. I, I'd probably give it to Oppenheimer or maybe um, Robbie mm. Robertson. You know. I don't think I remember enough about the music in Oppenheimer or any of these movies, except for maybe Poor Things. Or, or Indiana Jones, because it has the famous yeah. theme song. <laughs> uh, supporting actor, uh, adapted screenplay for Christopher Nolan. Um, um, up against... Sorry, American Fiction, Barbie, um, randomly, uh, Poor Things, Zone of Interest. Sure, I don't know. Maybe I've not I've not seen Zone of Interest, but yeah, I think maybe. Mm. Mm. Uh, supporting actress for Emily Blunt. No, shouldn't have been nominated <laughs> again. A pitiful yeah. category this year, mm. I think. Uh, supporting actor for Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I think it should go to Ryan Gosling, but I think Robert Downey Jr. is deserving. No, uh, actor for Killian Murphy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Director for Nolan. Uh yes. And best picture. Sure. I mean, best picture is it's not my favorite, but I'm happy with it winning best picture. Yeah, I take it back for best actor. I don't know, man. I'm still I'm still split between him and. Paul Giamatti. Oh, yeah. Thinking about it, they're just two very different kind of performances, mm. which I guess we can get to when we actually talk about the holdovers. Yeah, yeah. But just mm. very, very different things. So, right. Uh, so Oppenheimer, like I have been trashing Nolan since Interstellar came out, and even after watching, Oppen- <laughs> even after watching Oppenheimer, and like going into it, I was like, oh, one of his big fucking historical epics. Oh, it's gonna be three hours long. Oh god, and then. Like once before I went into it, sort of having that realization that it's like, oh, a film about, you know, what are these uh, films about the great geniuses of history, but about someone who fucking regrets what they did. I was like, that's a great idea for a film. Um, mm. And then watching the film, I I I think there's specific scenes in it that are far and away the best thing Nolan's ever done. I think the Trinity test scene itself is best scene of the year best scene of nolan's career i think it's so well done the restraint he showed in that so good and then immediately the scene after that where he's giving the speech i was like this is better than the last scene but the i my journey with oppenheimer has kind of become like it's it's weird we don't often get a film like this early in the earlier in the year that's like oh it'll totally win best picture and then at this point in the conversation it still probably will um, normally it changes by now or it's like it loses steam and then comes back up, but it's been at the top of the conversation the whole time. And it's interesting because also like Nolan winning Best Director, which he hasn't won before, is that like these like 
film bro directors like the or the like the modern auteurs and i would put like nolan uh wes anderson tarantino david finch is kind of on the outskirts of it that like it's mainly tarantino nolan and um anderson these three directors that have like such a distinctive style such like a appeal to a certain type of audience and i think that this is nolan's opus in the same way that i think inglorious bastards was tarantino's although if you ask tarantino he would say that once upon a time in hollywood's was his and that um for wes anderson it was grand budapest and i think that just the way the stars have aligned those weren't the strongest in their year necessarily but i think oppenheimer is or at least is good enough to be at the cream of the crop and you know one of these directors now can actually be awarded all these top awards you know almost like a legacy award but Mm. also actually has one of the best films of the year that's such an interesting way of thinking about it eh? or like a lens through which to look at something like that because it feels right and so many times with the oscars they like do these things kind of retrospectively eh? Mm. where they're like yeah you're a really great director and probably this isn't your best film but like here's an oscar anyway because like a body of work whereas like now is probably the right time which is an interesting thing to do for Nolan specifically because the Academy have kind of been too good for him until mm. recently as mm. well. Um, I I think what you're saying, Richard, is stuff I would all like to agree with. But if I'm being honest, this is probably in my bottom half of Nolan movies. To be I honest. still like The Dark Knight. I do. I do still like The Dark Knight, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't know. I think, like, I've been in a bad mood with him since Tenet, so I re- I did want to like this. I wanted to, to attempt to earn my forgiveness. You see, um, I wanted to I'm, hate it. I wanted to, to, to <laughs> lose my forgiveness. I will say, I'm surprised, like, it's a very dense, complicated movie. I'm surprised it's such a general hit with general audiences. Mm. Like, it's, it's, like, it's something that... Uh, you know, I I would consider myself an avid movie watcher, and I like am not following one hundred percent of the story at all times. You mm. know, like, um, and maybe that's because I'm stupid. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, but but um, <laughs> what I think is interesting though is like how different this is from Tenet, and I'm thinking about it like despite the distinctive style, I th- I want to play a game. I think Christopher Nolan has two types of movies. Mm. I think he has smart movies and i think he has dumb movies Mm. and i think this is what he's designating them give me a nolan movie i'll try say if i think it's a smart nolan or a dumb nolan oppenheimer smart memento memento smart inception actually no memento dumb inception dumb Uh, interstellar interstellar smart the prestige the prestige um dumb uh, Dunkirk, smart, oh, very smart. His smartest one potentially. I, 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 I don't necessarily agree with everything you've just said, but I agree with the <laughs> thing that, like, I think, uh, especially after, well, probably after Dark Knight, after he was done with the Dark Knight trilogy, he split into two, and he has yeah. been alternating making films I love and films I don't like, mm. and it's like it's sort of year about, eh? Mm. Like, yeah. it, it's there's the so far up its own ass, like 
so mindfucky you can't even follow this because it's so smart and i would call interstellar and tenet dumb movies those are movies that are supposed to make you think they're so smart because you don't understand them because they're actually just dumb movies Mm. and then i think that dunkirk and oppenheimer are incredibly smart films and i and it's like all of the good parts of nolan's filmmaking have made oppenheimer and dunkirk and all the pretentious bullshit has made tenet and and stella um yeah i I think broad yeah yeah well i think what i'm singling out is like is this a movie that is like there's just this organic authentic look at something or is this a movie based around a gimmick which I think Tenet absolutely is. Hmm. Inception absolutely is. I think that that the Dark Knight trilogy is an interesting thing to look at through this lens because those are the ones I'm not sure about because I think you'd be inclined to go, dumb, it's Batman, it's a superhero. Of course, Mm. it's the dumb type of Nolan movie. But then like the actual substance in those movies, especially the first two, is so intellectual that it's mm. like well maybe maybe they are smart movies i don't know <laughs> but yeah that the batman thing is an interesting kind of lens to look at nolan's like whole kind of career through right because the first one is like kind of a small intimate like almost indie take on a like um superhero movie mm. and then the second one is kind of like massive blockbuster kind of also meets that like a little bit more art house nuance sensibility and very, then the third very one Michael is like man esque mm. you know yeah exactly and then the third one kind of becomes this like massive blockbuster which is i guess that kind of tension between his works that maybe you guys are talking about mm. is that like you know like i really love the prestige because it's like a really intricate intricately constructed totally. like thing but it's not this like massive oh look how many special effects i can put in this movie um look how much science and backstory i can put in that no one cares about you know so there is that kind of tension and i think interstellar sits as like a kind of thing that sort of maybe in the same way that a dark knight rises or the dark knight rather um sits at which is like it balances those things quite well i think Mm. Mm. i i think that yeah that's like a great point you've brought up that it's like i almost think that the pressure and, and and nolan's preference for being forced to make event films and blockbusters Mm. is actually kind of as a a hindrance now Mm. um that yeah if if he could only be allowed to or or had the desire again to make smaller films i think you know we would be so interesting eh? yeah i mean like i I don't know if he's ever gonna go back to that kind of thing and and, i mean you know maybe he shouldn't but yeah it is i do want to just talk about um robert danny jr's performance in the film as well because that's one of the big things that everyone is talking about and i saw an interview with robert danny jr and i've seen nolan talk about the same thing as well is that like you know you have robert danny jr and you know like i said earlier one of the most consequential casting decisions of all time and then yes richard like you said earlier not um uh Christopher Nolan. I, I, I did earlier. say I was quoting Nolan earlier. Everyone knows I was quoting <laughs> Nolan earlier. As as I was quoted as famously saying, <laughs> but that like um, Robert Downey Jr. for since 2008 has just been Iron Man to the world. He did Drop It Thunder. He did The Judge. He did Due Date, and didn't do a lot of stuff in between his Marvel films because he was you know highest paid actor in the world, so he didn't need to. And then afterwards, he made Doolittle. It fucking crashed. It was terrible, but he playing lewis strauss is that he said 
Nolan talking about when casting him is that like you even you watch him in, in Iron Man and the Avengers films and there is such like a uh, a presence in the scene and gets the best out of everyone around him and that's the sort of thing he wanted but um, in their first meeting he told Robert Downey Jr. like you don't have like your charisma you don't have you know your star power any of this and so he deliberately took away all of Robert Downey Jr.'s tools that he's been using as an actor to play Iron Man and also his public persona he took all of that away and that kind of allowed him to do his best performance and like because you know you watch due date and he's playing a version of himself or of Iron Man but yeah it's, it's such a different performance and especially after Doolittle one that I didn't know if he was still capable of yeah what a comeback story this is of Doolittle and I wonder if his experience in Doolittle being the bomb it was what is like informed Lewis Strauss who whose experience is not dissimilar to like an actor on top having a massive flop I mm. guess yeah yeah I'm sorry man this is a great film I, it's like what are you sorry <laughs> for because you hated it I'm not mad I didn't hate it I'm not mad okay calm down I'm Jeez, not mad calm d- oh god it, it is so loud funny though that like for for over a decade that Warner Brothers was like had Christopher Nolan in their pocket and then they lost to me went to Universal and that's now probably going to win them a bunch of Oscars and also <laughs> made a near billion dollar film which is a three hour R-rated uh, you know biopic about the father of the atomic bomb which is like an insane thing to be one of the third highest grossing film of the year like mm. the super you, you, you think okay what are the highest grossing films of 2023 Super Mario Bros movie Barbie yeah of course a three-hour r-rated biopic about j robert oppenheimer that's insane which is narratively confusing in parts yeah. as well like that's people have gone back to see it again yeah you know? i i think that if it wasn't for barbenheimer it would probably have i would say like half the box office if that mm. Mm. Would have been a tough year at the films. At the pictures. <laughs> at the pictures. Yeah. Those poor movie execs would have been sitting there like, oh, tough year, mate. <laughs> Maybe we can't pay these actors. Maybe we can't give in to these strikes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe we shouldn't make <laughs> movies anymore. Maybe we should just get into AI. Wow. And Exclusively make AI films. And with that, uh, that brings us to the end of Oscars Cheat Sheet Part 1. So join us Which again. we didn't explain because we've been doing this for a few years, but it's called Cheat Sheet so that you guys can know what to think about these movies at cocktail parties. Yeah. <laughs> Adopt our opinions mm. was the original you idea. You can go to work and be like, oh, actually, I heard this guy on the podcast talking about how uh, Robert J. Jr.'s casting in Iron Man was one of the most consequential <laughs> totally and and listeners you don't have to say which podcast or who the guy that said it was you're all, you already sound smart you don't need to go into mm. further detail than that yeah but by saying you heard it on a podcast you sound smarter than if you said you'd seen it on tiktok which is where i saw yeah it. yeah or you i read a headline on twitter <laughs> yeah uh all right so join us again yeah. in i think two weeks time where we will be talking so does that about, mean film franchise Fortnite is back next week that is the intention uh but when oh. we discussed this earlier aj was not at all up on uh the plan like the, so the i wasn't putting you on the spot but now i am very much putting you on the spot 
Are you excited for film franchise Fortnite's to return next week, Aaron? Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. What are we, what are we what what franchise are we reviewing? Do we know? It's a little uh, secret. It's a, it's a secret, but, secret. But we are we are only doing two film franchises this year, so that narrows film up franchises with two pool. films in it. We're not. We're doing. We're doing more yeah. than oh, two right. franchises. I thought you were only doing two. <laughs> you're no. narrowing it down. Yeah. No. It's a real uh, interesting economic concept. Scarcity of resources. <laughs> yes. That's why yes. we that's get Aaron on. That's why he's the king. <laughs> so, all yeah, right. follow us yeah. on. Yeah, AJ, you do it. Follow us on all the places. We're on Twitter and Instagram slash X and Instagram. Um, and join in, jump in our Discord. Tell us what you think is the best movie out of the five we've talked about today. Uh, and you can donate over on our Patreon where you get all sorts of things like exclusive podcasts, including a new monthly podcast we're doing now called Home Improvement, where Richard and I take prompts from patrons and then try improv little scenes around it. Mm. Um, we've well, done one episode so far. There was also a little bonus show that um, people seem mm. to enjoy. I released a little thing where I took you guys through some music that i've been listening to lately i called it dick's tape like mixtape but my name is richard that's the whole title and uh yeah people seem to enjoy it so i will i might do that monthly i'm so glad you reminded me of this i have an idea for dick's tape Mm -hmm. um because i should do it instead of you (laughs) what if it was aj's tape um what if i I... got my dick out (laughs) the whole time you you have a segment at least on the first episode where you did a giveaway so people recommend you a song and the the song you like most gets the giveaway Mm -hmm. is that an album yeah yeah i think that on the next episode of dick's tape you should reveal the winner of which album you liked the most. And that segment, Richard, should be called Dick's Pick. <laughs> Is good. that good? Yeah, it's good. That's good? Yeah. All right. Well, tune in for that over on Patreon. Exciting things happening on the Patreon this <laughs> year, guys. Um, and you also get to give us I a I will be doing a giveaway scene. on every episode as well. So there you keep go. an Dick's, Dick's Pick for every Tremendous. Um, stay tuned after this music ends for the post credit scene and we'll see you in two weeks with Aaron for the continuation of the Oscars cheat sheet and we'll see you in one week with just me and Richard for us talking about a two film franchise whatever that may be thank you so much for listening see Aaron would you like to join us for the post credit scene I would love to excellent well, Welcome here it is. <laughs> to the post credit well, scene. You find yourself here. <laughs> this is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something in the post credit scene, which is this very segment we're doing right now. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from Jake, who says, what is a topic you are very knowledgeable about that most people listening right now wouldn't know you knew about? Or oh, this is like when I get asked on Tinder what my hobbies are and they're all movie related. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a movie guy. That's all I am. Or like what skills do you have? I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not mm. sitting here crafting some skills. <laughs> no, Richard, you go first. Well, none, none, of, my none of mine are particularly out of character. My big one is um, escape rooms. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean... I was going to say the one thing that I know a lot about or like is um, because I watch a lot of is um, fail army compilations. <laughs> is that like... This is like me with my ghost caught on camera. <laughs> video yeah. genre. Um, there's, I, I think that, um, and this is something that, you know, 
doing uh, dicks tape and anal bomb every day um, on Instagram has. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you just say you said dicks tape and then what did you say I said after that? Anal bum every day on Instagram. Chuck me a follow, Aaron. Um, I've been listening to an album every day on, uh, and I've been posting about it on Instagram. And hilariously, my my handle is at an album every day. But of course, when yep. you see it written down, mm. it looks like yep. anal bum. Um, and it took me a while, between- but I got there. Between this and um, Dick's tape, you really get a sense of what Cold Popture would be if, if my input was not put into like, <laughs> <laughs> at very least the titling, the packaging of our shows. Uh, yeah, packaging. The highest rated R18 podcast <laughs> in the world. But, the, um, but I think there's a lot of um, like uh, music genres that I'm quite into that people don't expect. And I think it's, it's hard because especially you know for you and AJ you and I AJ we reveal so much about ourselves on this podcast that a lot of the things that I surprise people with my knowledge of are things like I've seen every Barbie movie but of course people mm. listening to this would know that um but yeah I think I when you first meet me um you know especially depending on the circumstances you meet me um like if if i'm a friend of a friend you might get a very specific idea of because of the way i look and the way i act when i'm shy around you people that i have i think a lot more eclectic uh interests than people might assume uh, i i yeah. i'm pretty confident that like anyone's movie taste or music taste i can probably find a common ground with them Mm. um and 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 just because of i'm i'm a pop culture nerd that like if your mm. favorite artist is or your favorite genre is like super bubblegum pop i can probably have a conversation about that with you where i'm pretty knowledgeable about it same way if it's you know 80s dad rock or even if it's like heavy metal that like i think my general knowledge about most things is good enough that i can yeah. Do you think it's general knowledge about those things or like specific knowledge about specific aspects of those things that you can like use yeah, as an umbrella to talk more <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing that it's like you're learning enough specific facts about things. It's yeah. like it makes you seem like an expert because you're like, oh, this obscure thing. I know this one fact about it. I'm real bummed out because I'm trying to think of the answer to this question of what is it about me that is not movie or pop culture related that might surprise people to know I know a lot about it. And I think the only thing I can think of as an answer is probably because I grew up in a church, (laughs) which I am no longer a part of. I, I am probably surprisingly more knowledgeable on the secret lives of youth leaders than people might expect <laughs> me to be right like like that's probably my niche that's probably what i know about that your average person doesn't know about is is bibl- various biblical things which, <laughs> to be honest even even as a christian i was pretty rusty on um or yeah in general like I'd like, cause, cause, like, no. What the answer could be like video editing, but again, that's not surprising anyone. Mm. But it's mm. it's the thing I know probably the most about, right? Yeah. Like, this is frustrating. This is a frustrating question for for me because I'm realizing that it's, what well, this means is I put my whole self into the podcast. Well, that's the thing. It's like this is easier for like it. if you're meeting someone new and it's like, what's something that I might not think you know a lot about? That's a lot easier than like, hey. Um, these people that have listened to 
hundreds of hours of you talking. Nine years of <laughs> yeah, podcast. Of your life. Uh, so, Aaron, uh, take us home. What about you? I was trying to think as well. I think probably the only notable thing is that although I spent um, upwards of $50,000 on a degree in acting, currently my main source of income is accounting. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting when you consider the fact that I stopped doing maths when I was like um, fourteen he can't even years work it old. Out he's so bad at maths. He's so dumb. <laughs> he's such a stupid maths guy. Yeah, um, I was like in the advanced maths class, so we did like year eleven maths and year ten, wow. and you like at that point in our lives, you had to like. It, the like requirement for students wow. was you had to do it up until year 11. Mm. And so I did it in year 10 and I finished it. And they were like, so year 12? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank when you. When am I going to need numbers? Interesting, um, cause, because I too gave up math year, maths after year 11 maths. I was year 11 in this case. I gave up after year 11 and was like, no way am I doing it. You're telling me you got so, you were so good. I was so bad at maths, which is why I Still gave is. up. You're telling me you're so good at maths, Aaron, that you clocked it before before you'd even reached the the optional end point. You were already I so wish good I, at maths. I, I wish I could say that, AJ, but I honestly don't think I was that good at maths. I think the I think um, you were just stupid, AJ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you fucking dumbass. Um, nah, like, oh yeah, actually, um, I feel like the year ten year of maths was pretty traumatic. Like we one skipped a year of like mathematics, so suddenly you're like, okay, you're, you know this new body of knowledge you're supposed to have. Mm. Yeah, all these symbols you're supposed to yeah. know about. Well, you just have to know. And the second thing was we had this guy teaching us who was like an old angry man, like an old British man who was really angry. And like he famously said to us once, um, how am I supposed to teach you boys if you don't know anything? <laughs> and it's like, that Very is funny. precisely your job. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and also one time someone was like, hey, what's that massive dent in your whiteboard up there? And he was like, oh, um, that's when one of the lads threw a milk bottle at me. So someone had like thrown a milk bottle. It sounds like a regular Paul Giamatti and the Holdovers, Aaron. I'm surprised. You yeah, know, a movie I haven't seen, but I've I've edited the. As far as I'm aware, is about like an movie. angry Scottish maths teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was from Northern England, but yeah, I, I didn't get that from your accent, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> 